And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the glue guys. This is Mike here. Brian is not here because it's an emergency pod and we have a special guest. You know him, you love him. He is the exemplary Brooklyn Nets reporter for The Athletic, a subsidiary of the New York Times, Alex Schiffer. Alex, thank you so much for doing this. Tell the people where you are and the conditions of, under which you are doing this podcast. I'm in the Utah Jazz media room watching the fourth quarter of this game while you unexpectedly invited me on a pod. And uh, as I told you in the uh, pre-show meeting, uh, an NBA scout just asked us on press row if this is the worst game we've seen this season. And yeah, I think it is. Who's that scout from the 76ers? Because I, that's what we're talking about today, Alex. Oh, my great Lord. Segue, but it wasn't a Sixers scout. <laughs> I guess they don't really need to scout uh, this Nets game because it's going to have no impact on a potential James Harden deal. So to update everyone, um, <laughs> Sham Sharania of The Athletic. Get behind that paywall at theathletic.com slash glue guys. Um, put out a story today. After the after Woj had reported last week that the Nets were shutting down all trade offers, no, we are not trading James Harden. Shams had a report today saying the Nets are, in fact, uh, being much more receptive to the possibility of trading James Harden. And it, it, or it is a possibility that a Harden-Simmons deal could happen before next week's NBA trade deadline. Um, Alex, the first question I want to ask you is, when you read the Sham story, obviously we're, you're a little bit more on the inside than I am on that. Um, what stood out to you when you read it? Yeah, I, I mean, first off, I was kind of shocked just because as bad as it's been lately, I didn't think it was going to get to this point this quickly. Um, honestly, the the thing that, stood out to me the most, and we'll probably get into this more in a second, but seeing Tyrese Maxey's name in the story made me wonder if he was honestly on the market, because if I were the Sixers, there's no way I would put him in a trade, but if I was the Nets, there's no way I would trade Harden without asking for him. I feel like he's the, the swing piece in a deal. Like I, I wouldn't trade James Harden if I wasn't getting Tyrese Maxey back, or if it was a straight two-team trade. So seeing some of the names thrown in there, like Seth Curry and everything made me wonder, and I, Shams and I have traded texts, but we've, it's obviously been a busy day for us both. You know, are those guys available or not, given, um, given them being listed in the story? Because, I mean, I, I think this could be a chance for the Nets to significantly upgrade their supporting cast and also get some assets back with the covered being bare. I think the other reaction I had is I wonder what the reaction in Houston was to this story because I'm, <laughs> I don't know if Raphael Stone's throwing a party tonight, but I'm sure he made some calls to get some reservations locked up. 
what so the maxi piece one of my things was like what trade makes sense of course we're going to discuss that as a possibility i i will be honest before the this shams news came out the report that he had i thought the deal would have to be like simmons plus maxi plus thibel and maybe a pick maybe a second round pick or whatever for harden now that the deal is out there and it naturally i think decreases the Nets leverage and increases the 76ers leverage because it's going to be kind of hard part my sept as a dentist. So that's why I use this phrase to put the toothpaste back into the uh, toothpaste jar. It's a jar. What is it? Receptacle. So you think we're going to talk about so many, so many more implications and I have a lot of conspiracy theories involving this, but you think maxi is almost like the red line. Like if you're the Nets, you have to get, you have to do everything you can to, to get Tyrese Maxine, who's also, I think we should mention, I think he's a clutch client too. And if the Nets, obviously I don't think clutch is having like a super fun relationship uh, with Daryl Morey and the 76ers at this point. So what is your, like, what is the bare minimum deal that you would take for Philly? And by the way, we were talking about this as if it's going to happen. So we don't know if it's going to happen, but we're going to talk. Yeah, this this is all speculation. I mean, obviously, I think Ben Simmons, just for money alone, even if the Nets don't want him, has to be involved in the deal. Um, I would argue you have to get at least one or two of one one of Danny Green or Seth Curry because you need the shooting, especially given Joe Harris. I know we're going to get to him later, but you need shooting right now. Um, I would want. I would want Maxi because I think that the, this gives the chance the Nets the chance to get younger. Obviously, we've talked about how old they are as a team. You know, Ben Simmons is young and locked up for four years, and if they can, you know, if he's a changed man and found Jesus and everything, you know, he is a piece they have going forward. Then Maxi as being another young guy in a team friendly contract, they also would have some more cap flexibility hypothetically. So, I would I would take both those guys if you can get um, Simmons, Maxi, one of Danny Green or Curry. And I think from there you're probably pushing it. I would I would also love Matisse Tybel if I were Sean Marks, but um, but obviously he has a better feel of what who's available and who's not. So I uh, I, I think it has to be Simmons, Maxi, one of the shooters at, at minimum, and if not, then we're talking picks or Tybel. What about and, you? Yeah, and, and I agree. Like, so I think Maxi. I don't think Maxi's going to happen. Ultimately, he's too good, and. Houston, not Houston. It's funny to say Houston. The 76ers have, do have now some leverage. The, the Nets, you know, we don't know where Shams, or I don't know where Shams, you know, got his information from. The thing that stood to me the most in the piece is that he had information about how the Nets management and coaching staff has been feeling about James Harden. There's this specific paragraph where it's talking about the fact that, like, James Harden's, the way he uh, plays which is he controls the ball a bunch. He slows it down. Um, specifically, sources told Shams that Nash and the coaching staff um, have not liked. It, it chafes with the way that they want the offense to be run, which is much more free-flowing, much more of the seven seconds or less suns. Um, and it also says in there about how the Nets' game plans tend to shift depending on when Harden is on the floor and off the floor, meaning a different style of play at certain points in the game. And this also has been a point of contention from the coaching staff and players sources said. So I rephrase all of that to basically say, again, we're getting more information, more discontent from inside nets management, inside the nets locker room surrounding Harden. 
And when these batches of reported reports started to come out three weeks ago, one of them being from Shams and Sam Amick, um, it felt like very much Philly driven and a little hard and driven. Now we're getting the Nets saying, it seems like the Nets are saying, yeah, actually, it's not great. <laughs> like, we don't we don't love what's happening with Harden right now. Um, to go back to, like, the trade package piece of it, I, here's, the, here's, like, the galaxy brain theory I have for you, Alex. And we talked about it a little bit in the pre-show meeting that we had. Um, Joe Harris. Uh, the very interesting thing happened a couple days ago. And you, you heard from Joe Harris today, right? He talked yes, to media. Yeah, he spoke at Shoot Around. Okay, so I found that unusual too. But his agent, Mark Bartlestein, the the all-powerful Mark Bartlestein, I think spoke to Brian Lewis from The Post two days ago. Yeah, so it's tough to say who got it first. Brian Lewis was the first one I saw reported, but allegedly SNY had it first. So maybe it was just um, Bartlestein going down the line of texting people what the deal was. So I find that very interesting. Bartlestein's known to do that. He puts his name out there. Very media-friendly. Yeah, he 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 will not always do sources say he will in fact sometimes put his name as a Mark Bartlestein says this. Um the timeline that Mark Bartlestein put out there, which was we'll know in a week or two whether Joe's gonna need that second surgery, was very odd. Uh, because a week puts you just past the trade deadline. And so that initial report comes out. There's a lot of discussion on Twitter about it. Um, me and a couple other people on Twitter all sort of independently all came up with this theory that maybe Bartlestein's putting it out there, um, that Joe may be done for the year, uh, to dissuade the Nets from any possible trades to send Joe Harris out of town. Cause another team that may want Joe Harris may think, oh, we'll get him for the net last two months of the year and then we'll get him for the rest of his contract. And that's why we would want him. If you're the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, let's say, um, I found it weird and interesting that Bartlestein puts that odd timeline of like, we won't know. And I think the reason to do it is to dissuade the Nets or to lower the trade interest in Joe Harris because Joe probably wants to stay in Brooklyn. And I think it's getting around the NBA that the Nets are open to a deal. And we're starting to hear maybe names attached. And if Seth Curry comes back in a deal, if he comes with Simmons in this deal, that makes Joe Harris extremely tradable, particularly because of his injury, because of Joe's contract. There still would be teams like the Cavs, like the Pelicans, who may want Joe Harris for the remainder of his deal, not just this season, but into the future. The thing that the Simmons deal really does, we don't know what Simmons is going to be like. If you get back Seth Curry and Danny Green or Thibel or Maxi, a couple of those players, it allows the Nets to kind of then have tradable pieces. You can trade Joe Harris to get something else, to get whatever the other position you really want in the NBA. Um, there's just so many damn ripple effects for it. Can we just talk for a second, like how um, potentially wild it is that this situation, does it, does it feel quick to you that this situation seems to have deteriorated fast or is that incorrect? Do you think, this thing has been simmering for longer than it's a, is it, is it a slow cooker or pressure cooker? What do you think? It's a good question. I, I think it's more of a slow cooker just because, you know, if you look at the, um, if you look at James Harden's uh, box scores since Minnesota, the day before that first story came out about the Sixers tr potentially passing on 
a Simmons trade the deadline to pursue him in the summer. He hasn't really been the same. He's missed the two games. He In Minnesota, he looked completely disinterested in the game. He looked like he wanted to check out. The Sacramento game speaks for itself. But obviously that that report itself had been brewing for a few weeks, which leads me to think it's a, it's been a slow cook. Um, the Harris stuff is very interesting to me because, you know, talking to him today, that to me was very clear that he didn't know when he was going to come back. And I would be led to believe that, you know, there's already been some rumors before that he's he might not play this the rest of the season. So I I kind of wonder about all that. And I mean, as you said, you know, his contract is really the only other one they can use to move to get an, a, a desirable asset in return. Who that would be, I don't know, but um, but I I definitely think that there could be some options there if they were to flip it. I just kind of wonder how um what what would come first, the chicken or the egg? Would they get a ruling on Joe before doing the Harden thing, or would would they operate separately? I just kind of wonder how mutually exclusive they are. Yeah, I find it hard to trade Joe Harris if you don't. I mean, obviously you could trade Joe, and I think it's hard regardless now for James Harden to ever truly like feel integrated to the team. Now, there may be like a kumbaya moment, a players only meeting, like Kevin Durant, you know, private jets into, I don't know, who are they playing on Sunday? Denver. Denver. And, you know, there's a players only meeting or maybe a post deadline meeting. And it's like, all right, James is here. Let's all rally around this moment. Like it isn't impossible. You know, Many times over like the history of the NBA, guys almost get traded. They don't. And then the team goes on to have success. In 1999, Jeff Van Gundy was nearly fired by the Knicks right before they go on like an eight-game winning streak to end the season. They get into the playoffs as an eighth seed and they go to the NBA finals. So it's like bad rumors can persist and teams can still have success even though there's negativity surrounding the team. Um, it just seems like off of the Kings performance. And now he's he's out of the game because his he has bad strength at his hamstring. What was the yeah. reasoning? Uh, um, you want me to read? Hold on, let me read the yeah, exact. Quote. What was the exact quote? It was Steve, very Steve Nash. Ian, uh, the description of why James's hamstring is now hurting him. I just think we want to be cautious of them and also just build up his strength a little bit for one or more, uh, one or two more days, and hopefully we'll be able to go on Sunday. But whenever we get the strength and recuperation, have a little strength deficit, we feel like he'll be safe to go. Just being cautious. Yeah, and we got some people uh, moving in. Alex, do you have yeah. to go? Um, soon. I'll probably. Yeah, I will probably have to go. All right. If you have to go, it's okay. We got we got a little bit of you. Um, you tell me whenever you have to go, just drop off, and I'll just talk forever. It's not a big deal. Um, give me if you can talk. Give me give me your biggest prediction right now. Do you think Alex is literally walking in the locker room? Not in the locker room, excuse me. He's in the media room. He's walking out of the media room. I'm in the hall. I'm trying to be respectful of people's uh, time. This is and, amazing. Uh, volume level, yeah. The things this I is do a real emergency for the audience. This is an emergency pod. Okay, anything goes. The so, things I do to stay on the glue guys pod, given how little I'm on here. Do you think? Do you think we're heading towards a trade? Like, if you had to bet trade, no trade, where are you thinking right now? I would lean a little bit towards yes, just because I don't know why some of the stuff would be leaked if they weren't close to a deal. You know what I mean? I mean, if, if if this was the way the feeling was, but they were nowhere close to being able to agree on something, what's the value in letting it out? Other than to maybe get other teams interested if they can have the cap space for them. Um, one other interesting thing I, I heard today that uh, it was secondhand, but um, other teams could maybe 
handled the trade deadline differently to prepare themselves for a sign-in trade for James in the summer, given all the smoke that's coming out that it seems like his days in Brooklyn might be numbered. I can't you, name to specific, specific yeah, names, teams, but I've heard of that. Alex. I'm not Elaine Venice. I won't name names. Wait, do you, do you want to go, bud? Looks like you're in. I do. All right. I'm going to let you go. That was, that was Alex Schiffer of The Athletic. I, for everyone who's going to be listening to this, there's, it's going to be highly edited. Um, but Alex, was his headphones were blinking out, and his headphones is where his microphone was. He, people were entering the media room where he was, which they can obviously do. It's a, it's a, it's a public media space, but it's, you know, it, was, it was kind of a debacle. It, it was an interesting setup, and Alex literally went out into the hallway of an NBA arena to try to complete the pod for us because we just wanted we just wanted a little bit. And really, Alex was just there to let me yell about this deal. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just a couple of thoughts before I go. I mean, this is an emergency pod. This is feelings. This is thoughts. All of this is going to be out there. We're going to keep talking about it. One key thing. The Sham story, as I said, talked about with Alex, there were elements in it that were from Nets management's point of view. And I think those only get out and they put those out there. I mean, they know when they're talking to Sham Sharania, and they obviously there's a there's a code here that you know what may get out right. They know talking to him, it's a pretty big megaphone for to talk to him and his reporting and being here on the Athletic and blah blah blah. They expressed negative viewpoints about James Harden in what they told Shams, at least whatever sources told him whether it's agents, there are negative viewpoints about James Harden from Nets management. I think that's a key. Um, I think it's a key because they're now making their case publicly through sources of why they need to make a deal. Now, who is the intended audience, right? I think the intended audience is Kevin Durant, maybe Kyrie Irving, but I don't know if Kyrie really has say in these matters anymore at this point because of what he's going through, which is not being vaccinated. Um, the Nets almost need to run their own PR came to PR campaign to their best player. Now, I would think if James Harden was truly unhappy, that partly he would be unhappy with his situation um, with Kevin Durant too. Not that he's unhappy with Kevin Durant, but if he was like, 
head over heels that he's playing with Kevin Durant, then he wouldn't be advocating to get out of Brooklyn because Katie's injury is not a big deal. Like he's going to come back in three weeks or whatever it is. He's going to be fine. And he's going to be at full strength a month after that and all that stuff. Right? Like, so this is more of an indication of maybe the nets are putting this information out there to lay the groundwork, to let (laughs) Kevin Durant, Brooklyn nets fans, everyone know, Hey, something's coming now. Maybe in the background, they're haggling over who's included in the deal. And I talked about that with Alex. To me, the bare minimum is Simmons, role player, and a pick goes to Brooklyn for James Harden. Simmons is in there because he's the high-value piece, regardless of what his value is now and his salary works. I think the Nets still have some leverage over the 76ers to say, hey, we need something else in this deal. What is it? I, I mean, it's like the range of Danny Green, who, who is a, a valuable contributor on a number of contending teams, but he's declining in play pretty rapidly. It's Matisse Eibel, who is a fantastic wing defender, one of the best in the NBA, but a, I mean, just a non-existent uh, offensive force right now, which he's a way better defender than Bruce Brown or Bembry or anyone like that. Way better defender but he's actually a worse offensive player than those guys. So as, as exciting as it would be to have him on this team and to have sort of that winged player to deploy on other teams, best players like Jimmy Butler, or whoever else you want to say, he helps the nets, but it's not this dramatic increase. I think him and Simmons together though, then you're having like, you're having the makings of a really impressive defense. And if the starting lineup ends up being on some level, Joe Harris, if he plays, I don't know, but Kyrie Simmons, Claxton, KD. I know that's really big, but at times you could play. I think you could actually still play all three together. It's going to be clunky, but you could defensively. And then if Thibault's out there with Kyrie, yeah, he have really poor spacing and shooting, but that would be a very strong defensive lineup in spots. You wouldn't run it for a long time. Um, Seth Curry is the big name as a role player. I mean, I, I think everyone who has watched seven, has watched Seth Curry over his career really respects him as a player. He is, you know, a really good shooter at this point. He's obviously more than just Steph's brother. He's always, he's been a very good shooter in the NBA for a long, long time. Um, he's averaging 15 points this season, three rebounds and four assists, shooting 40% from the field. My thing about him, and I'll talk, this also kind of bundles in with Maxi is that Curry and Maxi are both almost too good for the 76ers to include in a deal. And Daryl Morey, whatever you think of him, he's a very smart guy. And now that this story from Shams is out there, it shows that the Nets' leverage is slipping just a little bit. Um, I thought before, as I said to Alex, that Maxi would have to be included in a deal for Simmons. Like the Nets would have all of this leverage. I think they ha- the Nets have more leverage in the offseason in a sign-and-trade scenario where the only way James Harden gets to Philly in the offseason and still gets his big contract is through sign-and-trade. But for some reason, within season, there's less leverage for the Nets. There's just a little bit less. Now, my hope, I, I think what part of what maybe the nets are hoping by leaking out somewhat of these trade discussions if it's if they are true 
is that it does have the 76ers ownership and Joel Embiid sort of pincer pressure Daryl Morey in this circumstance. And they both kind of go to Morey and say, okay, James Harden wants to be here. Simmons doesn't. We have to do whatever we can. We have to give up whatever we can in this scenario to make it happen now because we have a championship team. If James Harden and I, Joel Embiid, I'm playing the role of Joel Embiid here, if we are together. The only thing is that it seems like the ownership Embiid and Maury have had a united front. So if that would suddenly collapse because of one report, I don't know if that holds weight. I do think it's a possibility. Like I think what's happening is the Nets are playing a couple of percentages here. I don't think the Nets take this step of, of seriously considering trading James Harden now, like during the season, unless of three things. They have really strong intel that Simmons is good to go. I mean, we had the report for Ramona Shelburne that Simmons is vaccinated, that he's good to go, ready to get back out on the court, let's say within three weeks, he's ready to contribute to a championship run if they had that intel. And they could get that intel from Clutch and Rich Paul like that, you know, they could figure that out and they have those conversations. Whether they trust it, I don't know, but they would have to have strong intel to make this move. Because if you make this move and Simmons can't play for the whole year, well, you've just tanked and wasted another Kevin Durant MVP season. And maybe the Nets are comfortable with that. I don't know why they would be, but that would be a problem. No, the, the, the second thing that they would have to consider is that the situation has to get so bad with James Harden that at this point they're saying addition by subtraction. Things he is having disagreements with management. He's having disagreements with Steve Nash. The other players on the team are anti-James Harden at this point on some level. The way he plays, they think by having to appease James Harden that it impacts their success. Um, I think that's a very strong possibility. Um, and I don't even remember what my third one was. But I, I don't... I Something dramatic has happened for this story to get out. Yeah, we may go... We may go a week and get past the trade deadline and nothing happens. Um, I think by this report coming out, it's basically indicated, Hey, we're going to get a deal bare minimum. It's Simmons and a pick for James Harden at maximum. It's maxi like that Simmons. And then something else plus a pick for James Harden. And then I think if you make that trade, let's say they get back Seth Curry, Danny green, just a shooter. Maybe they consider flipping Joe Harris for Miles Turner. And then they flip Nick Claxton for, you know, some other really good backup guard piece. I mean, at that point, they would need a, a really strong backup point guard. Because if you lose James Harden, while Simmons is like kind of sort of a point guard, you would still want a George Hill type. I mean, maybe George Hill's in the deal, right? Isn't he on the 76ers right now? I don't even know. I don't think he is. He was at one point. He's not. It's it's uh it's it's quite wild. A couple a question for you all who are listening. Um, if you're hearing this and what are you thinking about? Are the Nets better with Simmons than Harden? If Simmons is just who he's been his entire career. Now that's actually kind of a big ask because he declined in play as the pressure got bigger, and we haven't seen him since. But are the Nets better overall with just Simmons and Harden? I'm not even talking about whether it's Maxi or Thibault. 
My answer is like no and yes. So the no part is that like Harden right now, and I think that in the next few years, Harden is the more impactful player to postseason game than Simmons. We forget how good um, Ben Simmons is. We, we haven't seen him play basketball in a really high level in a while. We forget how good he is. He's an all defense performer, all NBA level guy. He won number one overall pick. You know, he has real pedigree, a real unique skill set, and actually a skill set that would fit this team. Um, but James Harden is the guy in a postseason you'd much rather have. Get his own shot. He's offense onto himself. Um, he's horrible defensively. I mean, at that Kings game was a debacle, but he's still the guy you'd rather have. But here's the yes part. The Nets are better with Simmons because if Harden truly wants out, there is not a chance of really recovering the situation. This team's chemistry is funky, to put it lightly. Kyrie, Anivax, Kevin Durant in on the lineup. All these veterans, Paul Millsap wants to get out. Um, who knows what Helen Marcus Aldridge feels about all this silliness after being in uh, poor, uh, San Antonio for so long. Patty Mills is like, can like he's just a, trying to be a happy guy, trying to keep the peace. He's just the kid, and the their parents are getting divorced, and he's just like, can't we all just get along? I sympathize with that as a child divorce. If Harden wants out, the 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 well has been poisoned. And I don't know, you don't, you know, again, I talked with Alex about there's, uh, there's many, many circumstances where trades almost happen. They didn't happen. The team still goes on to have success, whether it's with a championship or a long playoff run. It's not impossible. Um, got, teams have had long playoff runs and won championships. And then a trade still happens in the offseason because Mojo was bad. It's happened all the time. Um, did, we all watched the last dance. Do you think people were really happy that last year? Now, they had Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman and Phil Jackson coaching, but it wasn't like the happiest locker room, and they won their third championship in a row. Um, so I, I don't think the season's over. If Harden comes back, there's awkward feelings. I do think that there would be a moment where all the players got together and said, you know, F, F this, F that, F the media. We're just going to go, you know, this. we're going to have a chip on our shoulder and be the villains and go all in and win a championship. And then the Nets do a sign and trade for Ben Simmons in the offseason. Um, how does Kevin Durant feel about all this? He probably feels shitty. Uh, I think the basketball fit of Ben Simmons is extremely interesting. You know, I, I am, uh, it's a mystery about what he looks like, but I think Ben Simmons as a, Draymond Green-esque as he's been compared to many times a Draymond Green-esque like switchable ultra switchable defender he would immediately become the best Nets defender by miles um along in him being on the team with two the two better players on the team in Kyrie and KD here's the key distinction for what's happening with Embiid Embiid while he can shoot threes and he can operate mid-range and all that stuff too Embiid still like half of his buckets are going to come around the bucket. And that's the space that Ben Simmons needs to operate in. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are perimeter players. You know, they're two guys that, that do best while shooting threes, shooting jumpers. Kyrie can get to the bucket. So could Kevin Durant, of course, he's the best player in the world, but um, Ben Simmons would actually be on a team 
let's hope Joe Harris is back healthy, would actually be on a team that would have shooting around him and where he can naturally operate in the spots that he likes to. He would help increase the fast break points on this team, increase the rebounding to a great degree, increase the defense to a great degree. He would just severely, about as severely as you could, decrease the shot-making ability. From James Harden to Ben Simmons in terms of shot-making is just the widest gap in the NBA. But the Nets have two supreme shot-makers on their team. So if everyone's healthy and NYC, I'm not even going to bring up the vaccine mandate and all that stuff, but this, this team has would still be very intriguing if Ben Simmons is who we think he is. Thank you all for listening. This was an emergency pod. Um, it was rambling. It was wild. It didn't make sense most of the time, but I'm glad you all listened. I wanted to give you guys something this weekend to chew over the Super Bowls next weekend. So what are we going to watch the Pro Bowl? I mean, come what are we, Mina Kimes? Love you, Mina. Man, friend of the show. Um, so I wanted to give you guys something. Brian is out of pocket. I would have had Brian on. And you know Brian and I are going to get together on Sunday night. And we're going to discuss the, everything that happens. Because there will be more reporting, more fresh reporting that will come out. We'll see if James Harden actually plays that game on Sunday. Um, and we're going to discuss this. There's just too much to dig into. Hey, what a great time to be an answer. Thank you all for listening. Check us out on Apple Podcasts. Five stars we didn't want to have them. YouTube, NetsDaily.com, The Athletic, a subsidiary of the New York Times. Thank you all. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.